Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. to the podcast welcome back to unwinding i'm having one of those days where i've recorded this intro like seven times and this one is going to slap i just know it this is going to be the one i feel it okay also i refuse to do it again so here we go hello how are we doing i'm recording this intro the same day it's going up which i normally don't do normally the episodes are up and ready for you on thursday morning but i got home from a trip yesterday I was in Costa Rica visiting my mom and I honestly the day just like slipped away you know and I didn't record the intro and then at night I was gonna record it and I'm like no I don't have like the same energy and I always want to give you the best energy you know what I mean so here we are how is everybody doing I'm so happy you guys loved the last episode that was so fucking fun and I wish Kami lived here because I would have her on every fucking week. Like, we had the best time. And yeah, if you haven't heard that episode, it's so fun. It's so funny. It's just a little bit of a shit show. And I'm so happy you guys enjoyed it. So let me give you a little quick update. I was home for the weekend very spontaneously. was not really planned whatsoever. I bought a ticket the same day that I left on Friday Um, but I was home for a few days and it was so nice to be with my mom and honestly it's so crazy I was talking to a friend about this but we both live here in Miami and we both were talking about how sometimes when we go home like so when we go back to Costa Rica we feel so fucking tired for like the first few days and this always happens to me like when I go home I always tell my mom like I don't know why I'm so tired like why am I so tired and she's like probably because when you like get here it's like a different environment and you're not in like your work robotic like like work non-stop mode which is so true right like when I'm in Miami like when I'm in my apartment it's just like I've like programmed myself almost in a way like it's so fucking weird but there are certain areas in my apartment where I can and can't work like if I sit on my couch and try to work forget it like nothing's happening but if I'm sitting on my throne and if you don't know what the throne is it's just this fucking chair that I sit on every single day and in the same spot every single day once I sit in this chair things start to happen you know what I mean But it's crazy, right? Like, we really do, like, program ourselves. And so, like, I don't know. When I go home, it's almost like I can breathe in a way. But I don't, like, love the feeling of being exhausted all day long. But I almost feel like my mind and my body is, like, okay. You know, like, I can, like, breathe. And I think everything hits me. And my exhaustion that I, like, just, like, carry, I guess, hits me. I don't even know what the fuck I'm saying, honestly, but I basically just slept all day Saturday. It was amazing. I slept all day. Like, when I tell you all day, it's literally all day. I woke up, had coffee, got back in bed, and I literally slept all afternoon, and then I woke up, and I was like, well, had dinner, and then went to sleep again. It was so nice, and I feel like I really needed it. I've also been really, really emotional lately. I don't know what it is. I don't know what planet is in Gatorade. I have no idea, but something is up because I have cried more times in the last 10 days than I have in like the last five months combined. And there's been some, you know, some crazy shit that's gone on in the last few months of my life. And I, I don't know. I don't know what it is. And I was telling my mom, I started crying on, um, when was it? When did I get here? Wednesday, Tuesday night. I was with her, we were watching a movie, and I just started crying again, and I'm like, oh my god, what the fuck is wrong with me? Like, what is wrong? And she's like, you know, maybe you're just, like, releasing, like, emotions. Like, maybe you're just, maybe there's just, like, a lot of built-up shit there, and she didn't say shit, because my mom does not swear, but she was like, maybe there's just, like, built-up stuff there that you're releasing, and I was like, 
you know what, queen? You might be right. And I think that's what's going on. And I, I don't know, man. I'm so sensitive. I'm not even on my period, nothing. I'm just like really, really sensitive lately and emotional. And it's weirding me out. But you know what? It is what it is. So anyway, those are my updates for you. Nothing really crazy. Back in Miami, back to work and just like grateful to be alive. You know what I mean? So let's talk about this episode. We have my beautiful friend Elise on and I was just on her podcast. I will leave everything linked below, but I'm going to let her introduce herself. I'm going to let her tell her story. I'm going to let you guys listen to this conversation, which I loved. She's also just like so like I could hear her talk like forever like she just like is so eloquent and her voice is so like calm and oh just like 10 out of 10 10 out of 10 experience you know so yeah really I feel like this conversation is for anybody who is trying to you know really build up their self-worth and kind of get their power back and you'll see what I mean by that in the conversation. So I hope you guys enjoy. I hope you have a beautiful week, weekend, day, morning, night, evening, afternoon. I said everything the wrong way, but you know, whatever. And let me know what hit from the episode. Let me know what you needed to hear. Let me know what resonated. I'd love to hear what you need to hear because then I'll give you more of that, you know? So Let's get into this beautiful conversation with Elise. I would love if you could tell us just a little bit of your background, where you are, where you're from, what you do, what you love, and yeah, before we get into everything. Yes. Okay. Well, I'm Elise. I am a dietitian, intuitive eating dietitian based here in the Bay Area. And I grew up in Marin County in the Bay. Um, And when I first listened to your podcast, Lisa, a while ago, you you mentioned that English wasn't your first language. English was also not my first language. And so I'm Chinese um, in ethnicity. And so I grew up in a very homogeneously white neighborhood in Marin County where, again, I never felt like I belonged. But long story short, that was actually the start of my relationship, my tumultuous relationship with food. And so I kind of use food as a way of controlling things because I couldn't control my surroundings, being so different as a kid. And so then I went to college at Berkeley where I studied nutrition. And then I went to UCLA for grad school. And then I I became a dietitian. Um, And then since then, I've graduated, of course, and I'm now in the Silicon Valley where I help tech techies and millennials in this Bay Area and all, a lot of the tech companies that you guys probably know of, helping them with their relationship with food. So I'm kind of like that perk that corporate companies have for their employees, and I'm their on-site dietitian. Wait, that's so cool. So like you're at these major, huge corporations, and you're there basically not on call, but like how does it work? Are, are employees just do they just have the option to see you if necessary? Is it a requirement? Like how does it work? Yes. So I'm here like Monday through Friday and they get to chat with a dietitian for free for unlimited amount of sessions. So I really get to see a person's journey for years on end. I've had a lot of patients for years and I really see them blossom and flourish in their relationship with food and their body image. Those are the things I care about the most. And so People that come to me come to me for a variety of, of issues and challenges. But honestly, even if they are, they're coming to me for, let's say, cholesterol or blood sugar, as I peel back the layers, it always goes back to a troubled relationship with food as a kid or using food to soothe emotions or body image struggles. Everyone is so complicated in their relationship with food, so I get to peel back those layers. I'm still fascinated by the fact that companies like have this as – like an option for people like this is amazing and incredible and I applaud these companies I mean like I if everybody I said this in a in an episode I think last week or a few weeks ago but I was like I wish therapy was you know just how we pay our taxes which like don't even get me started on tax season because it's tax season right now when you when you guys are listening to this um literally have a week left anyway everybody get your taxes in um but just how we pay our taxes, I wish we had access. I wish everybody had access to whatever 
um, tools they need for their well-being. And I think when people think like well-being, they only think of like their vitamins or going to the gym, but like taking care of what's inside, like actually inside as in like your brain, I feel like, I mean, that's what's been the most life-changing for me. And I love that. I mean, you're able to like help so many people and ultimately change their life because when you change the way that you feel about food and yourself, you know, if that's something that you struggle with, everything on the outside start to change. Um, I want to kind of destigmatize the word dietitian because I feel like so many people are afraid of that word and it's just like not the best word just because of the connotations that have been attached to it. Like I myself included, when I went into uh, see my therapist and we were tackling my eating disorder, one of the first things she recommended was a a dietitian. And I was like, I was so scared. Honestly, I was scared shitless because I was like, oh my God, like I was so scared. I was like, is she going to weigh me? Like, is she going to, cause obviously I was like, I mean, I don't step on the scale even like I, fuck, I don't like the scale. So I don't use that anyway, but I was like, oh my God, is she going to weigh me? Is she going to make me do this? Make me do that? Like, why do we have this idea? Maybe I did that. It was like, she was going to be this like sergeant. And obviously I feel like there are different kinds of dietitians. You can elaborate a little bit on that. Like the one that I ended up going to was specialized in people with eating disorders. So it was the opposite of putting me on a diet. It was the opposite of putting me on a nutrition, on a nutrition plan. Anyway, what do you have to say about that? Mm-hmm. I have a lot of thoughts about this because as dietitians, first of all, the word diet is in our name, which is I know. Awful. And so I, I honestly sometimes like to call myself a nutritionist just to avoid that. Yeah. Um, but as a dietitian, I feel like um, the way that we're trained, we're so trained in this clinical mindset of doing this to get to this and meal plans and nutrition plans. I totally understand why people think like that. But I think this newer wave, this new generation of dietitians out there that you see care so much about the the mindset behind food, our relationship with food, intuitive eating, body image. That's becoming the new wave that you're seeing out there. And as a practitioner, I had to learn all of this on my own because you might have, you know, you might have seen a lot of dietitians in your Instagram feed these days. They have their own story with food. I think mm-hmm. for a lot of us who go into this field, we have our own story with food. And thank God I found intuitive eating and thank God I got therapy and got help because I didn't realize that it wasn't about the food until I went to therapy. And that's exactly what I try and help my patients and clients with every single day is to see that it's not about the food. There's something you're trying to control. Food is just something that you're trying to do. And if we can untangle self-worth from body image or from your body, that's when the food becomes easy. Like food is always made harder when we're trying to manipulate our bodies to look a certain kind of way. That's when the food stress comes in. But without the the body stress, the food stress doesn't exist. And so with that being said, going back to your original question, the field is getting more diversified. The field is getting more woke as you guys are getting more woke and we're all thinking about body image. So it's it's going to come f- full circle soon. What are three misconceptions people have or maybe that you've heard recently about body image? That's such a good question. The first one is that I have to love my body. That's the way that's the way to improve my body image. But the thing about body image is it's not so much about loving it because no one loves their bodies all the time, if ever. It's more about appreciating it and accepting it for what it is where you're at today. Because I think acceptance is so much more special than love because, you know, love is fleeting, but acceptance is really the grounding force. So that's what let me pa- let me pause you there for a second because I know what this means. I mean, I'm still trying to apply it, but like I know what this means because I've been in therapy, but for somebody who let's say is like, okay, fine, cool. I want to work on accepting parts of my body that I don't love. What does that even look like? What does accepting even look like? Or what could it look like for somebody? Yes, and it starts really small. So the, the thing that I think about the most, I think people probably dislike the most is maybe their tummies, right? Let's just say you you just don't look good. You don't like your tummy, the way it looks in clothes and tank tops, the whole thing. And the crop tops are just like the it thing right now. And so anyways, um, and so the first thing that I would probably say is, okay, what what can you think about 
um, like why why do you think you feel like this with your tummy? Like where did those messages come from about your tummy not looking a certain kind of way? Like what standards have you heard of in your past and where is this coming from? That's one. And then the second piece is what does your tummy area do for you? Like what's the functionality behind it? And can you get behind the functionality? Like for example, your central tummy area holds your entire body up. That's the reason why you can sit up straight. That's the reason why you can walk is because of your tummy area. And it's also where you digest. All of your most important organs are in that area. Can you come to to appreciate that there's functionality behind it, even if it maybe doesn't look the way that you want it to? And that's basically the first baby step. One way that it looked for me, just to give an example, is I actually remembered this yesterday. I don't know why. I've been very in my feels the last few weeks. Like I had a hard week last week and then this week I just got my period. So like obviously I'm just a moody bitch, but also I really miss my mom. And so I was just – I've just been like in my feels. And yesterday, I don't know why I was thinking about it. We were FaceTiming and I was going to bed and – I'm really trying to practice what I preach. And so I was, you know, just trying to think about like the progress I've made with myself, not like in any other, not like nothing, just like with myself. And so I remembered this day that my mom was here visiting, which like when she's here, I'm just so happy because it doesn't happen all the time, you know? She was here visiting and she was actually here with one of her best friends who happened to be in the city as well. And so she was going to stay with with us for a few days and we were all so excited. I was not in a good place with my eating disorder, et cetera, and body image, the whole thing. And I remember we were like, it was a Sunday and I was like, let's go to brunch today. Like it was literally my idea and it was already hot. So I'm pretty sure it was like summertime. It was hot here. And so I got dressed and they were like ready to go. So excited. I had made a reservation. And then I just started, I just kept looking at myself in the mirror and kept looking at myself in the mirror. And I just was like, oh my God, I, I like, I can't, like, I, I literally can't go. Like, I hate what I'm wearing, but it's not even the clothes. Like, I just hate the way that I look. And I tried on like five different tops and it, it was obviously, it wasn't the tops. I mean, I wear those all the fucking time. It was me, right? It was me. And so I'm like, oh no, like I just, I can't, I can't, I can't. And then it just put me in a bad mood and I was just like spiraling. And also at that time, like I didn't have the tools that I have now and I didn't have the mindset that I have now, et cetera. And so I just bailed. I was like, I don't, I'm not, I'm not feeling well. I'm not going to go. And they were like, what? Like 20 minutes ago, you literally were like making reservations. I'm like, yeah, I don't want to go anymore. Like I just, I, I'm just going to stay home. I don't, I don't feel good. I don't want to go anymore. And my mom was like, oh, okay, like, I hope you feel better. Like, she was like bummed and they like went off to brunch and I just stayed here fucking miserable. And to bring this full circle, yesterday I was remembering that and I was like, oh, like so many instances in my life break my heart. Like I broke my own heart by like letting the way that I felt about myself, which was not even, you know, maybe true or not, whatever, get in the way of my life. And so a way that I practice acceptance now is if I'm in that situation where, you know, I have plans, I'm excited about them. Cause don't get me wrong. I'm the first one to bail on something. If I'm not going to be my best self and I'm not in the mood, I won't go. Right. But if I have plans and I'm in the mood and I'm excited and maybe I'm just not fucking feeling myself that day. Cause it happens all the time, no matter the tools or mindset shift you have, maybe I'm just not feeling myself. I will not let that ruin my day or my plans because I'll just look in the mirror and be like, you know what? Not feeling it. Don't love this particular part of my outfit or my body or whatever it is, not vibing with it. But like, here we go. Mm. And that is a way that I do acceptance is where I'm just like, kind of just like I surrender in a way and I'm like, it is what it is. I'm going to go have fun and continue on with my plans. Mm -hmm. I love that. It is what it is. I remember a similar story back when I was in college in undergrad. So this is like 10 years ago where I I had a thing about my cheeks, Lisa. Like my cheeks when <laughs> back at the peak of this, it looked like chipmunk cheeks. At least in my mind, I felt like I had chipmunk cheeks and my clothes didn't fit well or whatever. My tummy area was like poking through. A lot of things were happening where like I would show up at the event and feel so bad about myself that I kind of just like shrunk in the back and like felt mm-hmm. like I was the ugliest person in the room, that everyone was prettier than me, had all of this confidence, had all of this sparkle and shine. 
But what I ended up realizing today as an adult now is I was holding myself back. I was not sparkling because I didn't allow myself to sparkle because I felt bad about my cheeks, which if I had just brought out my personality, the whole thing would have been much better and people would have probably thought I was more cool than I actually was. I mean, it's very, it's a very real thing where just how we feel about ourselves can dictate so much of how we show up in the world, right? It's it's incredibly real. So that's why I wanted to give tools for somebody who's like, okay, fuck, I hear this acceptance thing a lot. Like, let me try and work on it, right? So I love that you said, what what does it actually do for you? Think about what it actually does for you. Think about how grateful you actually are for that part, no matter if it doesn't aesthetically look the way you want it to. Or my tip where it's like, okay, maybe you just don't love it right now, but like, don't let it pause your life. Mm-hmm. Right. Don't let it pause your life. And there was this one study that you might find really interesting, which is the SCAR study at Dartmouth, where they drew on a participant's face a SCAR. And they're like, okay, go out into the wild, talk to strangers. And this participant was like, okay, there's a scar in my face. So she walks outside and she's like, okay, time to talk to some strangers. And she was feeling so self-conscious the entire time that she barely like even focused on the conversation. And so when the when the other people who had talked to this participant came back to the study, they recounted their conversation. They were like, that was a blah conversation. I didn't have fun talking to this person. They were just so like in their heads. I didn't even know what they were thinking. What this participant didn't know was that the researcher erased the scar from her face before they let her out into the wild. But the entire time she was so in her head. But I love saying the story because it's like, how much of the time are you holding yourself back from social situations? How much of the time are you holding yourself back from having fun uh, and allowing others to see who you are? I was there a lot and I try not to be there anymore, but it's, it's very real. So what do you what do you say to somebody who is in this place where they're like, you know what, I don't love everything and maybe I am working on it, but I also kind of want to live my life at the same time. Do you know what I mean? It's like it's like where's the line? Because I don't know I I don't like the word balance. And to me it's because maybe it's cuz I can't fucking have a balanced life cuz it's like very just I don't know. You know what it is? I just feel like that to me dictates that you're in like perfect harmony within all of the different facets of your life or the things that you're trying to work on or whatever it is. And I just don't feel like that's been ever possible, at least for me. I always feel like it's never like 50-50. It's always like 20-80 or like 30-70 or something like that. Like it's never like I don't know. It's like more of a give and take than like a balance. You know what I mean? I like to think of it like a seismograph or is it called a seismogram where the earthquake, you know, and the back and forth squiggles. I like that better. (laughs) Because it feels like sometimes, right? Like the squiggles are, are tiny. The band is narrow. And sometimes the squiggles are huge. Like it's wildly oscillating. Like the ups and downs are so high and so low. And I think what what it's all about is like even if you're at this like extreme moment in your life, but if if you're able to kind of have lower like those more um, those smaller squiggles, right? Where like if you step into a puddle, the puddle's not gonna like you're not gonna step into it, and your whole body's in the puddle. But like maybe just like it's just shallow enough, or like your foot is in the puddle. Like you're not you're not drowning. Like that's what it's all about. Even if things are sucky, like it's not sucky to the point where it's like taking up your whole body. Like that's what I think is like quote unquote balance. <laughs> I like that. I, I I feel like that's a little bit more real and more realistic, you know? I was going to ask you, so most of the people that listen to this podcast, most of them are beautiful queens who are in between like, I want to say 20 to like 40, let's say. A lot of women with that in mind what are some of the most common things or issues you see or you've seen in the past with women within this age age range when it comes to whether it's diet, dieting, self-worth, body image? Like I know that's so broad, but like what are the things that come up when I say that? What are the things that you see the most that you see that people are struggling with the most or women, let's say? Mm -hmm. I don't like to get binary, but it's just Mm -hmm. Maybe that's easier. Yes. 
I would say what ends up happening the most, at least the patients I see, is everyone is a little bit too aware of food, right? Like it's just on the top of everyone's minds all the time. Mm -hmm. And there's so much stress around it where we all know that certain foods are X or certain foods are better than this and blah, blah, blah. And I should eat labels. Yeah. Labels. Oh. And it, it takes away from the joy of eating or even the satisfaction of food. Because the thing is, there's we can be full and not satisfied, but why not be full and satisfied with food, right? And I always like to bring can you sorry, can you elaborate on that? Like what's what's the difference? Yes. So like let's say like maybe you're someone that feels like blah about salad, but you have a salad every day with chicken and blah, 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 and it's like filling, like you're full, but you're like, ah, something else would have hit the spot more. Maybe like a burger on the side with the salad would have like really hit the spot and would have been satisfying. So the thing about life is like, sure, you can eat just to create fullness, but like how much of life are you missing out on by not feeling actually satisfied with the food? And I like to bring in like the French and I'm overgeneralizing, but like a lot of cultures in the world, like the French, for example, like they're surrounded by baguettes and croissants all day. And it's like, why can they eat a croissant and feel like neutral about it, right? They're not feeling some kind of way after eating a croissant every morning. And it's because like they're not overdoing it. They're not overindulging in the croissant, eating more than they really wanted to or intended to, and they know it's going to be there the next day. There's such an abundance mindset with certain cultures and how they approach food where it's not good or bad. It's just there. It'll be there tomorrow. I can have a nibble of it today and move on because it's always going to be there. That made me think of, um, I'm using air quotes when people say food is fuel, mm-hmm. which it is. It's It 100% is. But I feel like there's something missing in that sentence, right? Because yeah, it's fuel, but it's also like something so fun and like a very social ceremonial thing that we do, you know, like that's why people love in the States, people love Thanksgiving because it's like all this food and it's like all your family and it's supposed to be fun and you get to eat whatever you want and whatever it is, right? Of course, fucking society has messed that up with like, you know, burn the turkey off the next five days later, which I can't fucking stand. That's a whole other story. But besides that, it's like it almost took me a while to accept that while food is fuel, it's also more than that, you know, and maybe for someone else, it's just fuel and they just eat to live and whatever. That's fine. But if you're like me where it's like, yeah, it's fuel most usually, but I also want to like enjoy what the fuck I'm eating. And I also love it as a means to connect with other people, whether that's dinner, appetizers, at happy hour, or, you know, I'm sad. I want like my comfort food. Like why do they call it comfort food, you know? But actually let's talk about that for a second because I think something else that I had to uncover was that food isn't the enemy. It's more like diet culture, which is a billion fucking dollar industry that has manipulated food with its labels. And it's been so damaging for so many of us because we attach these labels to things and then that's what we believe, right? Mm -hmm. Because like we use it every, we use it all, we, we, we say these things about food and then we see it confirmed everywhere in the supermarket, the labels, what we see on social media, whatever it is, right? So it's like, how can we kind of take a step back from all these labels of like good food, bad food, cheat meal, cheat day. Like I was that bitch who had a cheat day. And now when someone says like, oh, it's going to be my cheat meal. Like, I'm not going to lie to you. I cringe inside. I don't say anything, but I'm like, God damn, I I just can't. I can't think that way anymore. Mm -hmm. You know? Right. Because what comes with the cheat meal were the like five days before of like eating so clean, like you're eating like a bird. And that's kind of like the very extreme oscillations that I see with people where they're like robotic Monday through Friday. And then like the cheat day, they're like, oh my gosh, like I actually get to have fun now. And it's like kind of like when you're saving up vacation days for this one big trip and you're not having any fun for the months leading up to it. It's like, why are you living life like holding on to fun? Like, and like taking away the fun when you can have a little bit of it every day. 
But it, it makes me think of this concept that I always think about too, where it's like, okay, we can be clean, we can eat blah, 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 like the foods that are quote unquote healthy, but like we can't do that 100% of the time because then we'd be robots. Like we have emotions, like we're humans for a reason. We have emotions, we have all this compassion, we have all this love to give and food is kind of the centerpiece for a lot of that connection. And so we need to think about how to – you know, have food be there to to help us celebrate and maybe help us comfort and soothe ourselves for minor, minute moments in our life. Because sometimes food is a nice little hug, but sometimes when you're overindulging, it, the hug becomes constricting. You're like, oh no, I've been drowning my sorrows in ice cream all month. This is no longer a comfortable hug. It's like a constricting like squeeze. I don't like this. And then the final piece too do you, one has to consider is how does how do I want this food to make me feel? Like how does my body respond to different foods? Those are the, the the pieces I think about, which is the mind, your emotions, and the body sensations of how you want the food to make you feel. I really like that last question of like how do you want to feel, right? Because we might think about that in every other aspect of our life, but not like how do I actually want to feel after I eat this? Like, am I trying to feel whatever it is, right? I love that. But I, and I also think it's so important. So many of these things are just things that I had to like relearn because, again, I was so blinded by diet culture that I just forgot all these like notions that maybe to somebody who's never had a complicated relationship with food, maybe these are very simple things. But to me, it's like, I, I, I was that robotic person that you just mentioned, except I didn't have a cheat day. So I was robotic always, but then obviously the more that you don't allow yourself to do something, the more you want to do it. And the more that as humans, we typically find a way to do it. You know what I mean? Mm. So that's what, that's how I ended up in a horrible place. But I also think it's like, it, it really helped me to stop labeling things as good, bad, this, that, whatever. It's more just like, this is more nutritious. Like this has way more nutrients, but like, it doesn't matter. It just it like it literally not there's not one that's good or bad. One might just be a little more nutritious for you and that's it. Mm-hmm. Right? Like that's literally it. Mm-hmm. But then also something that I really had to learn and that I still always have to remind myself is what works for me might not work for you. The way that my body feels is not how your body feels because we have completely different bodies, right? Like mm-hmm. what works for somebody else, the food that they eat every day, like even if I copied it to a T, it doesn't mean I would look like them. Mm-hmm. So just kind of reminding myself and as a PSA to anyone listening, like what works for you, like that's all that matters, right? Like truly that's all that matters. Fuck whoever eat in a day video on Instagram. Like who cares? Like you can, I mean, it doesn't, it just like, that doesn't matter. What matters is what actually makes you feel good. What makes you feel happy and what doesn't feel constricting, right? That's I think that's my biggest thing is where I'm just trying to find like trying to allow myself to enjoy the things that I want to enjoy and not feel guilt, um, which is something else I wanted to talk to you about. But so, sorry, back to the what you see the most. So mm-hmm. this first one being food be, is such a so prominent in everybody's mind. What else? Yeah. And I think the second one, which is what you're leading to also is – when when there is this kind of i will be i will have all the willpower i will do all the right things the floodgates open eventually and i see a lot of binge eating and binge eating has a lot of shame um there's a lot of embarrassment to it cuz it's like oh no i just need more willpower to overcome the binge eating but the misconception mm-hmm. there is because you've been such a sergeant with like all the willpower being so robotic like your body's finally given up it's like i'm done with you i'm done with all the restriction all the labeling like I just need my freaking Oreos and my like bread and cheese. Like just give me some like actual food. So that's what I see a lot too, where the pendulum swings to the other end. And it's not a bad thing. I think it's your body's just responding to you like from one extreme to the other. And it's just trying to get back to baseline. So what I see is binge eating is really a response. It's a compensation for the period of like you know, militant precision and it's okay. Like it's definitely part of the process. It means I think you're closer to balance than you ever were before. So let's say Lisa has healthy habits during the week. And then let's say, you know, in a world far, far away, she loves to drink. 
And she goes out maybe Friday night, maybe Saturday night, and then maybe Sunday she just wants to eat whatever she wants to eat in sight, right? But then she feels so guilty because mm. she's still st- – okay, I'm going to stop speaking in third person because <laughs> I'm still I, – I still – that's where I see. That's where I see. I mean, I also think it's like a human nature thing, right? When we do things that aren't part of our everyday routine, we feel a little bit weird, right? Like I can, I can see that. I can like empathize with my own feelings, but I also can really identify things that are still lingering from behaviors and mindsets that I used to have. So it's like, let's say I do that, what I just said to you, right? My first thing that I think of on Sunday night is like, okay, fuck, I'm going to like eat less, you know, for the, for for like tomorrow, Tuesday, Wednesday, I'm really going to like, I'm going to double my workouts. I don't do this anymore. I'm saying this is where my mind goes. And I have to sit there and be like, hold on, nothing catastrophic is happening. Nothing is going to happen tomorrow. Tomorrow is a new day and you're not going to deprive yourself just because like I give myself this whole pep talk. Like I know, like I I know, you know what I mean? But what would you say to somebody who maybe doesn't have like the tools that I was given in therapy to like combat those feelings and thoughts? I mean, I still fucking have those feelings and I hate them. Mm -hmm. And sometimes that's the reason why I won't go do something is because I'm like, no, like, you know, like I just, it doesn't, I I don't want to feel bad about it. Mm. I think that's – I feel like a lot of people go through this. And honestly, the other day, I I went through this too. And like tangent, I was drinking. It was a picnic. And someone bought um, like mochi donuts. And I was like, this is amazing. And I like had it and I forgot about it. But the next day, like (laughs) upon waking, I was like, oh, I had like a whole mochi donut. Like, oh, man. That that same little moment came to me too. And I had to give myself a pep talk. But for anyone in that situation, I would say to really think in parts, for example, okay, if I if you truly are feeling some kind of way, like you're feeling icky, first of all, realize that it's probably part alcohol it's talking and you're like maybe a little bit hungover. Two, perhaps you're a little bit dehydrated and you, you need to drink some water to feel better. And three, maybe you did overdo it a little bit. And the thing about food is it digests in 24 hours. Like what comes in must go out. It's not all going to turn into fat tissue. It's going to be processed. Your body is a machine. It knows what to do with energy. This is why you're alive. Your body is very intelligent. It's there yeah. to keep you good. So keeping those things in mind, it's like, okay, I'm feeling down because of maybe X, Y, and Z components, and also my body knows what to do with it. And if you were to separate your guilt, and guilt is mostly in our mind. If you were to separate your mind guilt from how your body feels, like what does your body want to do the next day? Like say you wake up on Monday and like maybe you're feeling like parched and dehydrated from drinking on on Sunday. Like, okay, great. My body's feeling parched. Let me drink some water. Okay. It's like 9, 10. It's feeling hungry. Okay. My body is saying it wants X, Y, and Z. Can you detach the guilt a little bit? Just like how food digests in 24 hours, let that guilt digest too. Like visualize it digesting and breaking down into pieces and coming out the other end, just like food and just like move on and respond to your body in a way that it wants to be responded to without the guilt. I think it's like a practice, right? The more that we are in those situations and we're like, oh, actually today I'm not going to turn to being mean to myself and maybe over-exercising or maybe depriving myself of something that I would have normally had on a Monday. And instead, I'm just going to pretend it's a normal day. That's kind of what I try to do now is like, I just wake up and I'm like, okay, like whatever happened this weekend, like happened, like I don't know her. I don't know who she is. Like back back to normal. And that's really helped me, but I definitely feel like guilt and shame. Like those are things that I, I mean, I see it online all the time, right? Where it's like now it's like the whole like reset, it's like reset routine or like back on track kind of thing. So it's like you're even the words that people use, it's like you're signifying that you going on a trip or going on a weekend trip or going on a getaway or having a birthday party, whatever the fuck it is, you're like signifying that that's like you fell off track. Mm. And maybe this is me just like overthinking everything as per usual, but it's like even the words that people use, again, it's labels. You're placing like an identity on something that like wasn't doesn't have to be this like big ordeal. 
it's like it's like the the words have such a charge to it, right? Like yeah. the good it has a positive charge and the bad has a negative charge. And the more that you partake in the falling off track, the bad foods, like you just feel this negative charge and that's what that's what kind of really affects your mindset. That's what feeds the guilt. But again, if you don't label foods, if everything is neutral in your mind, a cookie is the same as a kale salad, like blah, blah, blah is the same as this. Like anything without a charge, you're just going to move on your day just as normal. And that's what feels the best because guilt is usually the thing that tanks people the most and it's it spirals. It's only a snowball. You mentioned earlier the word self-worth, mm. which – I mean, I love to talk about this because it's it's such a – I just think it's such a huge thing in everybody's life. And what would you say to somebody who is working on it? Mm-hmm. What, do you, what would you say to somebody who's working on really cultivating that self-worth or maybe they just don't feel like it's like there or maybe they just don't even know where the fuck to start? Oh, okay. I literally have a poster right in front of me that says, I am enough. So I am right there with everyone that's working on this because I think for most of my life personally, my self-worth was hinged upon a few key things. One was my body. That's why I became a dietitian because I was like so into this world. And then you know, the other part was success. And so the, the, those were two, two of my definitions of success and worthiness. But the thing is, I just, I just thought about this recently. I had a come to Jesus moment earlier this year, which was, um, as I was working on self-worth for myself, I realized that we are all worthy as humans, right? We come into this world with a similar level of worthiness to someone else. Like you would never say to someone like a gardener, that their self-worth is the same as someone who's a CEO at a tech company, right? Worthiness as humans, it's not – we can't compare them. We're all intrinsically worthy. But what ends up happening is we attach worthiness to like only a few select things. And I remember – I think it was Matthew – Matthew, the dating coach. Have you heard of him before? Matthew Hussey. I love him. Matthew Hussey. Yes. He had this talk where he he talked about the three layers of confidence. Like what gives you confidence? Like what makes you feel worthy, right? And the first layer is like your achievements, where you went to school, your house, the car that you drive, the friends that you have. Like that's surface level confidence slash worthiness. The layer beyond that is, you know, maybe how you treat others, uh, maybe your relationships, more relational things. And then finally, the core piece without anything external is who you are as a human being, your values, what you care about, what you stand for, what you're passionate about. Um, and I think about that all the time where it's like we we put so much weight on the surface level things that give us value or that we feel worthy or enough about, but we don't think about the fact that we as a human being without anything external, we're unconditionally valuable and worthy and how to not place so much value on the external factors and just focus on the fact that you're, you're a human just trying to figure it out and like it's okay. We're all enough as we are. We're always a work in progress. And just like how, you know, how seeds are like, you know, they're seeds. They're they're waiting to be grown into flowers or plants or fruits. Doesn't mean that the seed who's dormant and not necessarily a flower right now isn't as valuable as the flower it'll be in the future. They're the same worthiness and the same value. I think something really beautiful about that is thinking about what you consider as like you, whoever's listening, not like you, you, but like what makes you feel successful? What makes you feel worthy? Like what are those things that you're attaching worthiness to? Because that's probably step one, right? If you're struggling with this, it's probably like, okay, well, why don't you feel worthy? Let's think about what worthy even means to you because it's going to have a different definition for everybody, right? I had the same like path as you where – so much of my self-worth was, I mean, it still kind of is, unfortunately, is like my body and the way that I feel about myself, the way that I look. So obviously when that wasn't sufficient, then my self-worth lacked, right? And so I think that's something that we should all, that we can all think about is like, what are, what are you considering as like successful and fulfilling and worthy because once we can acknowledge those things, then we can see like, okay, well then maybe that's why you don't feel worthy is because you're attaching worth to like 
such a superficial thing or such a whatever thing, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's always be it's always it's always more than that. Like let's just say I want to be th- thin or whatever, right? And it's like, okay, so why is that important to you? And maybe someone will say, "Oh, well, then people will like me." Um, or, you know, I'll be able to make more friends. And then the question then is, okay, so what's important about that? Like, why is that important to you? And the answer might be, oh, okay, well, that means that people will like me and that I'll have a social circle. I'll have community. I'll have lots of friends. And why is that important to you? Maybe it's because I was never able to, you know, have this robust circle of people in my life. I just want to feel loved. I just want to feel accepted. I want to feel belonging. As you get closer and closer, as you keep on asking yourself, why is that important to you? You'll get to the core of like what you're actually searching for, which isn't a thinner body. It's like community, acceptance, and belonging in this example. So ask yourself, the listener, if you're listening right now, like what what are you truly seeking and how can you get to the core of that without having to manipulate your body because it's probably not the answer. It definitely is. I mean, I'm not going to speak for everybody, obviously, but for me, it's like I thought it was the answer. And sometimes I still I still do. Sometimes when I'm spiraling or when I'm not giving myself the things that I need in order to remember that I'm more than a body and that my life, like there's so much more to it than my body. Sometimes I still do think that, you know, and that's where I'm like, it's like I have to flip the switch again, which is hard for me. It's an everyday thing. It really, really is. So if anyone is struggling with this, like, I mean, you guys know if you listen to this podcast, like, you know, I do too. It's That's why I love to talk about it because no matter the degree of how much you – like, no matter how much you struggle with this or not, we I think, I think there's something in here that anybody can kind of like identify with. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yes. And I encourage everyone to Google like a values list. Like go onto Google and just type in values and just see like what resonates with you and create a pie chart. You know, what maybe you're someone that really values generosity and community and travel and adventure and new things. Like make that list for yourself and see what what, what you care about. And the thing is, for the longest time, Lisa, you might relate. Like I was single for a long time and I thought if I just looked better, like I would find a partner, right? And that was like my pure focus was to look a certain kind of way to attract a partner. And for me, my pie chart, my values pie chart, it was like 85% how I look and like 5% like ex- like generosity, 5% something else. Like all of the things that mattered, it, it wasn't a big part of my pie chart. Now imagine you finding a friend or a partner whose pie chart was also 85% appearance based and then 5% generosity, 5% warmth, 5% travel. Like what kind of partner is that? Like the moment you change, the moment you gain 10 pounds, like what will happen to that relationship? So think about your values, the people that you're attracting in your life and the people that you're looking for who you want to be with. When think about I want you to think about a moment or maybe a season in your life when like you were really struggling with this, with like your self-worth, with your body image, maybe like just a low moment of that, a low season of that. What would you say to her? Knowing what you know now and feeling the way you feel now and with all of the knowledge that you have now, what would you say? What would I say? I am remembering, oh my God, this was me in undergrad living alone with two cats. I was very lonely. I was sad girl days for that entire year. (laughs) And I just, I just felt so alone. Like I just felt so alone and food was my one friend and it was my one comfort. I would come home with my cats, no one to talk to, just with my food. And I think in that low moment of sitting there, like hours of eating to like bring me company, I would say to that girl, you're not alone. There are people out there who also are are in the same boat and it's really tough right now, but the answer isn't food. The answer isn't your body. The answer isn't, you know, hopping back on the bandwagon next week. The answer is go out there in the world, go meet people, go live your life, like go do things. Like don't just sit at home with your two cats. Like stop this nonsense. Like go outside, step into the world, do things that bring you joy because it's not anything that you're doing right now. <laughs> Follow the joy. I love that. I really do. Oh, follow the joy. My last question for you is 
How, and this, I like this, this is my new question that I'm asking my guests at the end of our episodes. And it used, I used to ask people what lesson they've learned. And now I changed it because now this gives you like a little homework assignment that you can do with yourself. How can you be 1% kinder to yourself this week? For some reason, yeah, I think the, oh man, Lisa, okay. I'm hard on myself when it comes to friends and family, like I feel like I'm never, I'm never doing enough for them. Like I always feel this guilt when it comes to friends and family. So I guess what I could do better this week is to just say that I am a work in progress. Like I am still a work in progress as I continue to strengthen my friendships and my relationship with my family. And every time I engage and spend time with them, that's me contributing to the relationship. And so that's enough. Like I would just say that that is enough. Look at the poster on your wall. Exactly. That's exactly what I'm looking at right now. (laughs) Yeah. Sometimes it just takes a little mindset just to take a step back and really take it in because we – I'm in my head all the time. Probably a lot of people can relate. (laughs) Yeah. Sometimes I just need to like live and be instead of think. And it's like, God damn it. I just need to like take a step back and stop thinking and just be (laughs) – I wish there was a flip, a switch for that because I'd be flipping that shit all the time, all the time. Um, Elise, you are amazing. Where can people find you? Where can people listen to your podcast? I don't know if you do virtual, um, if you take virtual clients, but if you do, like, where can people hit you up? Everything. Yes, I would love it if you if you resonated with this podcast. You can find my podcast, Craving Food Freedom. You can find me on Instagram as well, Craving Food Freedom, as well as TikTok. Um, and I do take virtual clients right now, one on one. If you want more support, and so happy to have you book a call with me if you find this work really helpful and interesting. And this was so much fun, Lisa. This was such a blast. <laughs> Thank you so much. I love this. Thank you, Lisa. Ah, I'll see you on IG. I will. (laughs) Bye, girl. Bye. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m. and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com with lucky landslots you can get lucky just about anywhere dearly beloved we are gathered here today to has anyone seen the bride and groom sorry sorry we're here we were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time no lucky land casino with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry in that case i pronounce you lucky Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.